Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, who are many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy and use it in the portion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern uh, diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, sharing with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a lower position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay another evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks, Jared. Would you leave your Bibles open to Romans chapter 12 as we look at these uh, different commands given to us in God's Word and allow them to sink into your heart and your life, and you will need your bulletin, so keep your bulletin nearby. But we find ourselves in chapter 12 where Paul is beginning to tell us, this is how you live out the Christian life. This is how you live it out. This is what it looks like. You've been saved by grace. You have the hope. You have the love of God, and you are justified. So how do you live it out? And we're going to look at that this morning. It's been an exciting week in the Merrill household. I don't know how many know because we didn't put it on email to the church. We were thinking about it, but we didn't. But I'll just tell you now. Luke uh, had an accident in woodshop class this week in high school and uh, severely cut his hand from the top of his thumb all the way down to his wrist with a uh, brand new box cutter. And uh, don't want to talk too much about it. I get a little faint when I think about it because it was quite a, a horrific accident. And he had surgery on Thursday. 
uh, to repair the, the, the damage that, was, uh, that happened in the cut. And uh, we are believing God, and the doctors gave a good report that he is going to have full feeling and recovery in the weeks and the months to come. And so for those that have been praying, thank you. You've told me, and I just appreciate that. We're believing for that full recovery for Luke. And um, so it's been, as you can imagine, since about Wednesday to uh, yesterday with our post-surgical visit with the doctor, it's been a crazy ride for our family this week. And there's something as a parent that kicks in when you get that call that your son's been injured in woodshop class, and they didn't tell me what it was, and he's in the emergency room, and you need to get there. As a parent, and Leslie's traveling at the time, because every time Leslie goes out of town, we go to the emergency room. It's just kind of a given in our family. And um, so anyway, she had to start driving back as quickly as she could, and she got there right before they wheeled him into surgery. And, uh, and uh, so I, I, all I know is, okay, God, I need to get there. And so I get in my car, driving as fast as I can to the hospital. I'm just praying the whole way because that's what parents do. I need to get there. I need to pray. I need to be there for him. But um, after that, I don't know what to do. I really don't. And so that's where the doctors and the nurses come in, and they were fantastic. And I have to say, tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. And, and they give you a list, and I begin to write things down and write things down. It doesn't matter if they give me 10, 20, 100, or 1,000 things. I'm going to write them down, and we're going to do it because that's going to take care of Luke. Any prescription that's written, we're going to follow that prescription. We're going to do it because that's my son, and I want to take care of him. And, and so anything, any instructions you can give me, I'm like, give it to me. I want to follow that. And in chapter 12, Paul is giving us instructions for our life. Because I know you're here on a Sunday, so you love God. You want to be here. I mean, that worship time, wow. When we're singing Our God Reigns, I'm just, I'm just feeling his presence. And it's like, wow, God. You know, even in Luke's life, I mean, you, you heal those that are sick. And you raise the dead. And God, you're so awesome. And you're so powerful. And, and we love God, don't we? But if you had to say, well, now i got to do this or i got to do that. i got to follow instructions. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I know that I love God, but what am I supposed to do? And that's where Paul comes in and he says, look, I, I want you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you to offer yourselves. I mean, it's the only logical thing. It's the only reasonable thing. It's the only intelligent thing in light of what God's done for you, his mercy, his love, and his grace to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That you'd be holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. That you would give your life to him. And you would say, Jesus, you have all of me. That's what God wants. And when you do that, he takes you and he begins to form you and mold you. And give you gifts to use in his family for his service, to for his glory. And he says, I want you to use these gifts. I want you to live for me in humility and in unity and love. That's what we're called to do. And he gives gifts across the body, and we talked about it last week, where he, he gives uh, prophecy, and he gives uh, serving, and teaching, and exhortation, and giving, and ruling, and mercy. And we looked at each one of these, and how the church needs these things. And if you don't want to know what those are, you can go back and listen online, and, and dive in, and find out where you fit, because you've got to come in alignment to how God created you, how he shaped you. And you've got to live in that way, because he said, I, I, I want you to do this for me. And Paul's super clear. He says, I've done this for you. I've given this to you. You've got it. Now do it. 
If you're called to serve, serve. If you're called to give, give generously. If you're called to lead, do it diligently. If you're called to show mercy, then show mercy. Whatever you're called to do, do it. It is your responsibility. These are the instructions God gives us. If I've given you a gift, use it for me. I've made you the way you are, and I've shaped you, and, and now you can use that for me. And beginning in verse 9 is where we begin today our study, and we will look intensely at these very practical things that Paul tells us to do all the way to the end of the chapter. Simple commands to follow. When you first look at them, they look kind of miscellaneous, but he's telling us what to do. You can't say anymore, well, I just wish I knew what God wanted me to do. He says, no, right here, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes that's hard because we love Christ's love, don't we? We love his grace. We love his mercy. But then he says, I want to be the Lord of your life. Oh, that's a little more, God. We love the blessings. We love the promises. We talk about them. God, I want your blessings, but I don't necessarily want to follow your commands. But a lot of times, the blessings and the promises follow us following the commands of God that he writes here for us. And so here's 21 commands, and you have them in your bulletin, and there's enough room on the other side in the Bible blog, so if you have anything that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, as we talk about these 21 things, and we're going to move them through them very quickly today, and I want you to write down anything the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but these are 21 commands for the Christian life. These are prescription that God gives it. Imagine like you're there with the doctor. Doctor, what do I need to do? Well, do this and don't do that. And here's the prescriptions, and here's the checkup that you can do on your own life as we look at these 21 things today. And so let's move through them quickly but we'll give you some content on each one. Do, uh, it says, first one, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. That's the number one action of a Christian, love. That's what marks you as a Christian. That's what distinguishes you as a Christian. If you don't have love, we're not even quite sure that you're walking with God because God is love. First John talks all about this, and that's the test of our Christian faith. Do we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do we love others as ourselves? Do we use our gifts not for ourselves but for others? It's a matter of the heart, checking up at the heart. He says, I want you to love each other. Don't just pretend like you do. Don't be a hypocrite in your love. Be genuine and sincere in the love that you have one for another. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. We need to love one another. The second one is this. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. It's our next prescription. Our next command. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Once again, a key to the Christian life. That we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So our heart is attached to God. And when it's attached to God, God hates sin. And we belong to God. We do not belong to sin anymore. And so therefore, we need to hold on to God and connect with him and hate sin. Whenever we talk about kind of fleeing the evil and holding on to what is good, I always go back to Psalm chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And I like this passage of Scripture. Let me read it for you. Psalm 1.1. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. 
They will be condemned all the time of, at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Hate what is wrong, love what is good. And that's when the blessings and the promises of God come true. The next one is love each other with genuine affection. This wording here in the Greek is the same word we would use for a mother showing love or attention or affection to her child. So that as a parent loves a child, and we've already talked about how those parenting instincts kick in. Why do they kick in? It's because our children are number one. We care more about our children than we do our own life. And, and that's what type of love and affection we need to have for one another. That we would have that type of affection that a mother has for her small child. That we would love each other with that kind of affection. The next one says, take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. That basically means that my joy should come when I honor you. A lot of times we think that I'll be happy or I'll have joy when someone honors me. When someone praises me or loves me, then I'll have joy. But the reality is our joy should come from loving other people. We would love them in word and in deed as we read in 1 John. And I believe that's the evidence of true discipleship, of being like Christ, when we take joy in honoring and building up one another. The next one says, Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Paul is saying here very clearly, don't be slothful in your service. Don't be lazy. He's given you a gift. You have to use it for him. Don't say, well, I'm too tired, or I don't want to do that anymore, or I got burned one time. No, he's saying, I've given you a gift. Use it for me. Don't be lazy. Have persistent zeal, or do it enthusiastically. And that's, that word in the Greek for zeal or enthusiasm is the same word that we would use for to boil water. And so think of that pan of water boiling on your stove and, and it's the rolling boils. And I, as soon as I saw that word picture there, I began to think of Revelation chapter 3 when he's talking to the church at Laodicea. And Jesus says this, that I wish you were hot or cold, but you are lukewarm. And God says, I don't want lukewarm Christians. I want Christians that are on fire for me, that have that zeal, that have that enthusiasm, that have that boiling over. So don't be lazy. Be full of zeal and serve enthusiastically. The next one says, rejoice in our confident hope. I want to say this today, is that when we have Jesus in our life, we always have hope. I'm going to tell you this week, uh, it, it's one of those things where Luke, after school, and this is how honest kids are, because when I take the kids to school every day, I pray the blessing over them before they leave the car and go into school. And I did that with Luke. And, and Luke said, well, I guess God didn't protect me today, did he, when he was in the hospital? And um, the reality is the nurse said that if he would have kept going with that knife, it was right by his wrist. And he bled enough, but he would have probably just continued to bleed or bleed out there right in the shop. And, that, and so I said, you know what? Luke, God was with you. He was protecting you, watching out. God can't sometimes help us when we're careless, but he can protect us. He can protect us, and he does protect us. And everything that happens, happens, and he makes all things good. And, and so we don't have to worry. I want to tell you, when you have Jesus, he is with you, even in the midst of trouble, even in the most difficult moment of your life, and he's going to be with you forever. 
You have a confident hope when you have Jesus. And so the next one says, be patient in trouble. We have the confident hope, so be patient in trouble. There's going to be hard times in life, but we need to endure or remain steadfast or hold our ground. Those are all words for that word of having patience in trouble. Paul, over and over and over again, uses a term, and this is the term, stand firm. And the more harshly persecuted the church in the New Testament, the more he uses that phrase in his epistle. And he says, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. And again, if you're going through hard times, don't give up. Stand firm. Because we have our confident hope in Jesus. And the next one says, keep on praying. Be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. Stand firm. Keep praying. If there's one thing Jesus taught us about prayer in Luke chapter 18, is to keep on praying. He taught us perseverance. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep praying. Keep believing. And God will come through. The next one says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. We know what it's like when people in our family need something. We're usually right there to help them. Because kindness begins that way. I mean, it starts in the family. It's like, if you need something, I'm I'm there. I'm going to help you with whatever you need. And I want to tell you today that that has to be a part of our life. That idea that we're going to help people in need. Whoever is in need around me, in my family, in the family of God, I am ready to help them. And that leads to the next one where it says, Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hospitality basically means showing kindness or serving or sharing. And and that's what we're called to do. We're called to show hospitality, to give beyond ourselves, to show kindness, to share with other people. And if there was one mark of the first century Christians, if there was one thing to distinguish those Christians who were right there in the early church, it was their hospitality. They would open their home or share a meal or do whatever they had to do to share the love of Jesus with one another. The next one is bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. These are hard. But I thought Pastor Fred's message a couple weeks ago on persecution was out of this world. He took what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and, and, and says we need to bless those who persecute us. This isn't me telling you to do these things, because these things are not easy. This is God telling us through his word. It's Jesus telling us through the Sermon on the Mount. Bless those who persecute you. And Paul's going to talk more about that in just a moment. The next one is be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. We are called to enter into the joy and the sorrow of others. I can't tell you what it meant, uh, how many people, whether it be on Facebook or with a call or an email, and they just said, we're praying for you, we're praying for Luke, we're praying for your family. Even today, as people would come in the door, for those that knew, they were uh, with cards and cookies over here. I mean, just, uh, just an outpouring. It's like when you go through a hard time, when you have sorrow and there's people with you, there's something beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about hearing the babies are born and we cheer and we rejoice in the, the birth of babies. And Jesus modeled this for us, whether he'd be at a wedding and celebrating at a wedding or crying at a friend's funeral as he weeps over Lazarus, that, that there should be joy when people are going through joy and weeping when they go through weeping, and it should be genuine from our heart. And sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, this is hard, because sometimes when we announce that another couple had a baby and we're excited for them and we're rejoicing, maybe your heart is broken because you're not able to have children. And it's hard to rejoice with those who rejoice. 
But that's the beauty of the body of Christ is that we do rejoice for those who rejoice and at the same time we weep with those who weep. It goes both ways. That's what family is. That's what God says that should be in our heart that we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and in that we are together in this and that honest rejoicing and honest weeping I believe is a sign of true Christian character. That's a sign that we are disciples we are following him. The next one says, live in harmony with each other. Literally translated, it's this, thinking the same thing toward one another. It's a mutual trust or unity or love or peace in the relationship. Live in harmony with one another. Next, it says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. If there's one thing that God rejects, The Bible says over and over again that God opposes the proud. What that means is that if you're proud, you're an enemy of God. I don't know about you. I don't want to be on his enemies list. I want to be on his friends list. And he never turns away the humble person. So don't be proud. Don't think you know it all is the next one. Don't think you know it all. Yeah, and that goes back to what we talked about last week. You know, just this idea that we would work in humility and love and unity together. Don't think you know it all. The next one is never pay back evil with more evil. Getting even has no place in the Christian life. That repaying, that getting back, because Christ is our example. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. It'll be on the screen. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Don't pay back evil with more evil. Don't increase the evil. Forgive. The next one is do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. This is speaking of our character, our reputation. So in every setting, whether it be in a social setting or a work setting or uh, just a family and friends setting, wherever it is, we must maintain the highest standard that is above reproach because character and reputation is very important. Throughout the New Testament, those that were in leadership were always people of character with a good reputation. And even when they went out to seek out those who would serve in the church, they were looking for honorable people that had a good character, a good reputation. And we need that in order to follow God and serve in his body. And so whether it's something on Facebook or it's at work or it's at school or at home, that we would live with the highest integrity and maintain a standard that is above reproach. And we need to do things in an honorable way. The next one is do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. It's hard to do, isn't it? There's always somebody that's an agitator in your life that's trying to get things stirred up. But I want you to look at what Jesus says in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. He says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. You might have heard it said this way, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. It's interesting that the peacemakers get that reference at the end, that they'll be called the children of God. And I believe it's because those that sow in peace Those are the ones that people will realize, no, they belong to God. 
See, when you live at peace, when you work for peace, when you're a peacemaker, you have a resemblance to your heavenly Father. And so those that create peace or work for peace, they are called the children of God. The next one says, Dear friends, don't take revenge. Leave it to the righteous anger of God. Any uh, thoughts of personal vengeance should have no place in your thinking. The Bible makes it very clear that vengeance belongs to God alone. So it shouldn't even enter our thinking. We live in a moral universe where God is in control. And God will work out judgment for the actions. And so what we need to realize is that when we uh, want to take vengeance ourselves, we're playing the role of God. And let me tell you, you don't play the role of God very good. He plays it perfectly. And when justice needs to be poured out, it will be done with perfect equity, and God will do it right every single time. And when we say, well, no, I will take out vengeance, I'll do it myself, you're saying, God, you're not going to do a good enough job, so I'll do it for you. That's always a mistake. Just leave it in the hands of God. Never take revenge. Instead, what does the next one say? If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Are you kidding me? Why is this one in there? You know, it's like, these are not things I'm making up. These are from God's word. He wants you to know these things. Because here's what God's after. You know that he's after you. He loves you. He's after your heart. And he's after the heart of your enemy as well. And so if you just wreak vengeance on your enemy, you may crush your enemy. You may break your enemy's spirit. But God's not interested in in breaking his spirit. He's interested in breaking his heart. And so when you love in return, that's breaking the heart of your enemy. And maybe that will connect the enemy's heart to God. And so that's what we need to do. If you do it yourself, it'll be done wrongly. It'll be, it'll be evil if you do it yourself. And then you know what you're doing? You're doing what we already talked about. You're repaying evil for evil. And when you repay evil for evil, you know what you just did? You increased the evil. You increased the wrong. You increased the sin. And God doesn't want that. He wants the heart of your enemy. Finally, it says, don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good. Don't let the wrong in others produce wrong in yourself. You've got you've to guard your heart, and you've got to go on the offensive or take the initiative with love so that you can overcome evil with good. That's what God wants us to do. Don't let evil win. You defeat evil by doing what is right, by following my commands. And when we do these things, this last one all the way to the first one, we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, which is what Romans 8.29 says the call of our life is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Because we do not belong to this world. We don't act like this world. We are part of God's family. We've been adopted into God's family, and now we take on his character and his traits. When I was in the doctor's office, whether it was in the emergency room or after surgery or even yesterday, 
I listened so intently to everything that was said. And, and I wrote things down, and, and like I said, it didn't matter if it was 20 or 100 or 1,000 things. I will write them down, and we will do them. And, and the thing is, is that uh, sometimes it's hard to follow directions because, you know, it, it, um, you know if, you, if you can't move these fingers and stuff, it, and you're supposed to be trying, and it hurts, and there's pain, it's like, well, the doctor says we have to try, we have to try. But it hurts, I know, but we have to try. Dad, I don't want to take that medicine. It upsets my stomach. I know it upsets your stomach. But you know what? When we do these things and we do everything they tell us to do, you're going to be whole and complete. And uh, God's going to be able to bless when you, when you persevere, even when it's painful and you don't want to do it. There's going to be good results. And see, now today we have these commands in our heart, beginning with offering ourselves as a living sacrifice all the way to the end, where don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good and everything in between. And God says, now go live it out. And just like Luke, you are on a road, a road that will lead to blessing, that will lead to recovery, that will lead to you being conformed into the image of Christ. And a lot of times, God's blessings and his promises are fulfilled when we obey his commands. And so God is calling you today to obey what he says in his word. And you may say, these are too difficult. Uh, I've already messed up on so many of them. I don't think I can do these. And here's what Jesus said, if we go back earlier in Romans. Is God says, I know you can't do this on your own. But when you stay connected with me, when you stay connected to the vine, remember when he says we are now in Christ and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? We, we can't sin when we're following the Holy Spirit connected to Christ. And he's saying, I want you to live in that harmony and that unity with me. And so today I want you to bow your heads with me right now. And I want us to just have a moment of prayer. You're going to put on some quiet worship music now, but I'd like you to take out your bulletin and look at each one of these. And I want you to look over them. And, and whether you want to do a checkup and say, how am I doing on each one of these? Or whether you want to say, God, I'm okay at these few, but this one's really hard. Whatever you want to do as you look at them, just I want you to connect with God in a time of prayer and allow God to do his work in your life. And so I'm just going to give you a few moments. I'm going to pray for you real quick, but I'm going to give you a few moments. And I'm going to stop talking and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and you to speak to God. And so, Lord, we give you this time as we look at your commands. And, God, I pray that uh, right now we would connect with you. And as we do, that it would bear fruit. And even if it's hard, God, we would follow your commands. But, Holy Spirit, we are now open for the next two minutes just to have you speak into our lives as we just spend this moment with you looking at your word.
Lord, as we conclude our time together this morning, our hearts are wide open. And we think about what you're asking us to do. And whether it was just these 21 or there were more, God, whatever you want. As we've said the past several weeks, that Jesus, you have all of us. Lord, I pray that, um, God, we would live according to your word. That we wouldn't be squeezed into the mold of this world and just live how everybody else looks or that we'd go to our default setting, but instead, God, we would connect with you. That we would have the power of the Holy Spirit active in our life. That we would be leading, being led of the Holy Spirit. That our ears would hear what the Spirit is saying. And God, that in each situation, we would practice these principles of love. These principles that are completely unselfish. That show so much grace and hospitality and forgiveness. And God, all the things that we see in you and your heart towards us, may we now express that to others. And Lord, when it becomes difficult and we don't want to do it, may we persevere. And as we persevere, may we see the healing and the blessing and the promises that are there in your word. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we don't have to guess of how we are to live our lives, but God, you tell us very clearly in your word. And so, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word this morning, but that we would walk out of this place and we would be doers of your word. Because, Lord, we do love you. We want to live for you. May you mold us and shape us into the image of Jesus this week in a fresh new way. God, I thank you for our time together. I thank you that your presence has been with us since the moment we walked through these doors. And we pray that your presence would go with us now as we enter into life, a new week with you. God, we love you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope you received the word of the Lord this morning. And, and uh, as we go, uh, in just a moment, if you need special prayer, we'll be down front to pray with you. But we do want you to sign up for the Ascension Convention. And uh, so uh, Melanie and Steve are going to be at the table. They're going to sign you up for the Ascension Convention. We need 50 volunteers today. And uh, don't leave without grabbing some coffee and a piece of cake and telling Fred, happy birthday. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord as we go this morning? And this blessing is with you, just as it's been with our family this last week, just as it's been with the family of God for thousands of years. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing. May it be with us as we go, keeping us safe and strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 50 people sign up and have some cake and coffee, and we'll pray with you down front if you need special prayer this morning.